BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome to Invasion of Privacy. I'm Kate Wolf, and today I have John Koppel is yeah! here. He's actually one of my high school friends, and he started comedy two years ago. That's right. Which brought us back together. It reunited us. Yeah, we hadn't talked. We hadn't talked in like 10, 15 years. Right. I was like a little bit nervous to reach out to you. <laughs> <laughs> well... I think you did reach out when you started just to say hi, right? I think that I showed up at the uh, the Comedy Cove and I saw your face on the wall. They had the pictures of all the headliners. I'm like, oh shit, I know her. And uh, and I took a picture next to your picture on the wall and uh, and I was so excited. I was like, hey, look, I do this too. You're the best. Yeah, Such yeah. you tagged me in a picture on Facebook, but then you started producing your own shows in Philly. Right. And I think they're monthly or bi-monthly. I was doing it every other month. I were taking a little bit of time off for the winter because we were just kind of uh, doing a whole ton of them. But we're going to pick it back up in the spring. And then I reached out to you because I was like, why don't we need to do a show? And And I said, yes. I was like, of course, I'll headline. And then I ended up bullying you, I guess, a month or two later. I was like, wait, because I didn't realize that it was going to be sold as a high school reunion show. Because essentially that's what it became. It's what it became. I called it the homecoming comedy yes. show because Aston Wallace, our friend, Hi, is doing stand-up. What's up, Aston? Uh, out in LA. So I think when I asked you, I wasn't sure he was going to be able to come in. Yeah. So you didn't have all that information. I'm like, all right, it's a homecoming comedy show. We're all in. Yeah. So then when I saw it getting, um, would it be billed? Billed as the homecoming comedy show, I was like, oh my gosh, everyone is coming from our town. This is going to be a huge sold out thing because of it. And I wanted more money because I felt that was fair. And I, I remember, I think I, did I text you or I forget how it happened, but I felt like I could feel you were a little scared of me. You but felt I reached, my ass just yeah, clench up. Yeah. You oh, were big time. I didn't, I wasn't trying to be mean. I was just like, Oh wait, I had no idea that that this was going to be a home homecoming reunion show. I had been planning on coming back to Philly soon to do a show so I didn't want to use all of the like people that were coming in that show and then not be able to do it myself. But it worked out. We worked out a fair price. And then um, I think we're going to be doing it again in Philly, hopefully in like Hell six yes, months absolutely. or something. We're I'm already looking it. into, uh, into bigger venues. venues. Absolutely. Yeah, because it's sold out it's so quick. It's tough to find a place that'll hold you. Really? People come out. People are excited. Yeah. 
It was amazing. Wasn't that great? Well, the fun part is like all these people from high school came that I hadn't seen in 10 to 15 years. And it was wild. So I was telling half of my set wasn't, I mean, it was jokes, but it was stories. Well, you were crushing so hard just with the crowd work in the first like 25 minutes. Like, I bet she can just go through a 45 minutes hour without telling any of her material. Thank you, John. No, I was loving it. No, I had a lot of fun. I want to do it again because I thought of more stories. (laughs) Because I was just looking out at people and seeing their face and then like a, a story would come up, you know? And I was like, oh, I fucking remember what you did, you know? So I was just having the memories, it wasn't like purposeful. Like I didn't necessarily think about it before, but I'd see someone I'm like, who I haven't seen in years. And I'd be like, oh, I fucking remember when you threw that party and we all busted out your windows when the cops came, you know? So it was just, it's also funny to see people, whereas now they have kids in the perfect homes and, you know, they're, they're shaking your hand being like, oh yes, I have my life together. And I'm like, bitch, I fucking remember you. You know what I mean? Like, I remember what you were doing. Stop it. Well, you had to get out of there after the show. You missed the after party where people totally fucking let loose. And that's when I, that's when I heard all the crazy shit and it was as much fun as the show. Really? Oh yeah. 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 I didn't want to stick around cause I could t- everyone was already wasted, um, By the end of the show, everyone had been drinking a lot. Mm -hmm. And I don't really like to be, for the most part, around places where everyone's intoxicated. I don't really drink. And it's just people almost start to fall apart in a way. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm very sensitive to that stuff. So it can be very hard to engage with someone who's not really in reality at that moment, especially if weird stuff starts to come out. Oh yeah. There was weird stuff. Yeah. Because especially when you're, you start, you know, I'm a healer. So people come up and they'll say some things to me, like I'm in a lot of pain. I don't like my husband. And when they're drunk, you don't really know how to help them in that moment. Cause you're like, I am here for you. Sure. And I bet you can't help, but ask all those probing questions. Well, I actually want to know how you're doing. I don't want the, I don't, I don't like small talk. I don't like pretending. So you know, if they're drunk and they're like, Hey, I'm not happy. I want to, I want to hear, but if you're drunk, I can't really help in that moment because they don't really want help in that moment. Right. Cause it's like, they're just trying to, to escape right then. Now, if they called me the next day, it's another story, but it's just hard for me to be, especially when you don't drink. It's hard. I, I think it's hard to be the only sober person in a bar. Cause you guys all went to a bar after yeah, we went and stayed right out till like three or four in the morning. I think, well, it's Philly area. Nobody stays out till three. No, four in the morning. no, you don't have that option. Oh, was it like two then or yeah. Oh, okay. Which was to me, that's a wild night. Yeah. Well, you have kids now. I have kids. I have two little girls. That's crazy. Yeah. You were just talking before, before the mics were hot about putting together dance parties and how everybody likes to dance. Like I'm dancing with my kids every day. But I think that's important. I think that's where it's at. Like little kids are so alive and full of wonder. Like, so Marissa, my best friend from growing up, um, I went over her house a couple months ago and was dancing, breaking it down with her two little girls. Like we were just... Her, her husband, Sean, is like a DJ. So he was like DJing it and putting oh, wow. on one fun song after the other. And like me and the girls, we were just having so much fun while Marissa was like dying laughing. But I think that's it. Like, honestly, I want to start dance parties there too, but I want that one to be like a family fun. 
oh, that's great. party where like you could come and bring your girls. Cause for me, it's not age limited. You know, I think we all young, middle-aged, old want to free ourselves and just dance. Oh, a hundred percent. Or sing or whatever your thing is. Cause some people really don't want to dance, <laughs> but kind of finding that, that freedom that yeah. you want to express. Well, you have to dance when you have kids. I don't know if boys are different. I have girls. No, boys want to dance too. I know I wanted to dance. I don't think my brothers wanted to dance so much. Really? I, yeah, I was shaking my ass though. I loved it. See, I think all kids want to dance, but it happens so quickly in society where like boys are given this, like you're not supposed to do that kind of a thing. Like, you know, I've, I've been thinking a lot about gender roles and what we yeah. sort of project onto. And I, my girls are so feminine and girly. Like I, I, we didn't do any of it. They are obsessed with princesses and pink. And so I don't know. That's, that's just anecdotal. It doesn't mean anything, but. What no, you- I do think that there is something too. obviously, you know, there, I think there are natural gender roles. I think girls have a tendency to be quote unquote girlier, I think. Um, but, and same with boys, I, you know, Shane did go more towards building things like Legos and trucks than he did some of the dolls. But first of all, I still don't know how much of that was because his friends were doing it or what he was seeing. But I do think there's something to it. But at the same time, I think it's actually much looser than what we're seeing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, even at the youngest ages, like I think there's still um, unconscious, innate things we accidentally put on them, even if we think we're not, you know, like I, I think when you have girls or boys, like I didn't ever actually buy Shane a baby doll. You know what I mean? Like, so as much as I can say, oh, he went towards the Legos. I don't know how much I pushed the other stuff because he was always a teddy bear person. Sure. And that's kind of a doll. Yeah. No. And that's, that's a great point. I never got my girls like the superhero costumes. Yeah. And tell them they're going to go out and like kick ass fight crime. Or like the dump trucks or, you know what I mean? So yes, I think that they, and on one hand have a tendency to go towards the more nurturing things. We do have vaginas and wombs. (laughs) So I think there is something to that. But at the same time, I think if given all the trucks and the Legos, we'd be into it. And I think vice versa with the boys, if given the dolls and those things with also the real mentality that we supported them to do that, I think it would switch a bit. I don't know how much it would go. I think every kid's different and there's a spectrum. But yeah, I still think that boys are animals. When a little boy comes over the house, like shit is on they're just trying to they're throwing like they just have more energy you mean oh yeah like little kids you think that they're wrecking the place but when a little boy comes there like oh shit now it's real so your girls don't they're not as crazy or wild as you think some of the little boys you say no i mean they're goofballs and they have a sense of humor but they're not destructive that's so funny yeah. I, Girls can be destructive in other ways. I've been called an emotional terrorist a couple times this week. <laughs> yeah, there's that. There's that. When the girls condition you to think that they're going to dance with you, and then they're like, no. It's like, what? Does that hurt your feelings? Oh, my God. Just the other night, I was talking to my four-year-old Charlotte about taking her camping. She brought it up. She's like, are we going to go camping? We're going to go with Maggie and Owen and Uncle Mike. These are Cavs kids. And it's like, yeah, it's so much fun. And then 
Uh, she's like, well, we'll leave Julianne, her younger sister at home. This is probably an annoying story. But then, uh, then my wife pokes her head into the room and she's like, right. So you'll stay at home and I'll go with mom. I was like, when did that shit? What? Weren't we? <laughs> she's like, oh, and I think she recognized that I was kind of hurt. She's like, All right, I'll, I'll go with you. Well, I love how sensitive you are, actually. Let's get into this, John. <laughs> I am sensitive. I'm not trying to do this in an emotional terrorist kind of way. I mean, so John and I, we've, we grew up together. Um, we've known each other. Did we go to elementary together? Where'd you go to elementary? I went to Fort Washington and then Fitzwater. Yeah, okay. Okay, yeah, okay. Because I was at Fitzwater. Okay. And so I guess we've known each other for a real long time. Definitely long time. middle school is when we all started hanging out. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved middle school, man. I really did. I know it was like brutal for a lot of kids. You're coming into your own. Kids bully each other. Um, and we definitely had some bullies for sure. For sure. I mean, not to even jump ahead, but middle school, high school, that whole experience, a lot of comics will make these broad statements like, oh, it's a rough time for people like us. I'm like, yo, it was the shit. Did you, did you have a good high school experience? I loved high school. And I don't know, or maybe it's, maybe we just got lucky, but everyone was well, really Well, I cool. did and I didn't. I could have sworn you would have. Well, you didn't know what was going on for me at home. Uh, you know what I mean? Well, my, I meant at school. Right, right, right. My, right. my high school experience, you know what I mean? I was popular. I... But look, look, I had a boyfriend who was constantly cheating on me and treating me horribly, you know, mm-hmm. that, so that was always upsetting me. But of course I was using that as a way to like distract myself from the real pain that was going on at home. I had a really troubled home life and both my parents were divorced. So my mom's house was really brutal. And my dad's house was really brutal for a whole other reason. So I think the popularity and all that stuff almost was a way for me to like distract in a good way. Like, sure. thank God I had, I can't imagine having such a brutal home life and then being like bullied in high school. And I know that does happen for some kids and my heart goes out to them. Cause that is just a nightmare. But, um, my actual high school experience was good. It was fun. I had great friends. I had a shitty boyfriend. So that sucked. Um, hi Chad. And <laughs> <laughs> it didn't seem like whatever was going on at home affected your self-confidence, but did that manifest itself and you well, being in a relationship it. in which you allowed yourself to be cheated on. Exactly. So my defense mechanism has always been that smile. You know, I was the cheerleader and I walked around. I really learned how to mask my sadness. So, and I also have always been cheery, happy. I like ran the spirit committee, you know, I ran the pep <laughs> rallies. Like I've always been the one to be like, let's do it. Let's go, you know, and that's real. But I also used it to mask and to override the sadness. So a lot of the smiles were fake smiles, you know? Um, and I've really had to learn as an adult to not smile when I'm actually sad. Cause then it looks maniacal. You ever see someone smile and you're like, Oh, that's not a real smile. Yeah. A lot of wedding pictures. Yes, exactly. So I've tried to work with myself and like, don't smile if you're not happy, you know, you're allowed to have a resting face. Um, but yeah, so even though I seemed confident, it was coming out not just in high school, but I've dated a lot of people where I was getting mistreated, um, cheated on. And I just, I think, really recently started to deal with the self-hate and really look there into the dark places of like, wow, I really also, as much, I'm very confident, but I also feel worthless. You know, it's like these opposite opposing forces that I had to look at um, in myself. And I'm healing right now. Do you, do you feel like you looked at your parents and said, 
they're alone. That's the last thing I want. I'll just hang on for dear life because it's better than the alternative. Well, my dad wasn't alone. He got remarried to my stepmom. Oh. So my mom is right now single, but she's had some boyfriends. So not really, because I think most people alone or not alone, because you can be in a relationship and still not happy, you know? Sure. Um. So no, it was, no, I, I think it was more, I so desperately wanted to fill the sadness, that void, that pain that I was feeling. And I was attracting and attracted to men that were actually going to replay out the drama that I had yet to really deal with. So for me, it was the feeling of being rejected, abandoned, someone making me feel like I am a piece of shit just to reiterate that deeper feeling I had in myself. You know what I mean? I think those things for anyone will continue to show up in your life and replay out until you actually deal with the root of what's causing that thing, which is why in a sense we're victims and we're not victims because we're trying to act out this thing that we actually want to look at and deal with head on. But it's scary because then you look at yourself and you're like, oh, wow, there's a place that's really dark, really hateful, really angry. It's, it's, I kind of tucked it in so it was turning on myself, but it was actually, part of it was murderous rage towards my parents. I was very, very, and I am still dealing with a lot of anger towards both. Um, a lot was just complete sadness because I think when you're not being cared for properly, there's a part that goes, well, what's wrong with me? You know, wh- am I so damaged that I don't deserve parents that will love me and take care of me? So I think there are a lot of really sad, dark places that I'm still looking at and kind of shock me. You know, like the other day something happened and the thoughts going through my head was like, I'm a piece of shit. I'm not good enough. I'm not, I'll never be good enough. And I'm aware enough now to go, oh, wow, look at those thoughts. You know, that's interesting that that lives in me. Right. Do you, and how much of this did you sort out on your own? And is this because these are complicated emotions to kind of work through. I love how you're interviewing me, John. Yeah, how'd this happen? I know. Um, no, not all, a lot on my own and a lot not on my own. Um, I, I'm currently in therapy and I work with a healer. I'm in my spiritual school. Um, I have a lot of supportive, amazing friends who are not scared to talk about these things with me. Um, so yeah, not alone, but, um, and a lot alone, like both. I know it's a, it looks as if your relationship with your mom is pretty great now. Well, yeah, you got to see us together. I mean, we've been through a lot. Um, so, so John came to my going deep event in Philly, which was pretty intense. That was awesome. Thank you, John. That was amazing. I was Very so happy impressive. you came to support you and Megan, his wife, Megan. She actually sells essential oils, doTERRA, which I'm a huge fan of essential oils because I think we go right too much to pharmaceutical drugs to cure things. And essential oils is all about going to plants and flower medicine to cure things like headaches or stress. Anyway, so, so you both came. And my mom was plug. there and I had, I know, and I had to say, I had to say to my mom because she has boundary stuff. I was like, listen, you can come, but I really need you to respect my space. And you could tell it was kind of hard for her, you know? Uh, and there were times where I had to look at her almost meanly like, Hey, stop. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I asked you before, please, do, you know, so it's a really tricky relationship, but it was lovely to have her. I'm able to assert my boundaries 
now. She loves you. I know. She's, she's so impressed. She's probably my biggest fan. <laughs> she's yeah. ridiculous. Because you came to my, my I headlined at Punchline, and you came, and my mom was there. And I could be telling the dirtiest fucking joke about my vagina, and she'll be the loudest laugher. She'll be like, ah! Like, I could say the raunchiest, dirtiest thing about getting, like, fucked in the ass and my mom will be dying laughing sometimes she'll gasp and she'll be like is that true <laughs> but but she's really she thinks I'm the funniest I mean but my she's a mom so like she also thinks like I'm the best singer in the world and I have the worst voice you she's know what I mean she's such a Jewish she's, mom that's she's great she's such a Jewish mom yeah well my, I have done some filthy material in front of my mother and she will always afterwards like John I don't think you need to do that really yeah, well it's because if she has friends there she'll oh. be embarrassed like if when you talk about blowjobs it's just i don't know oh i want your mom to come see me <laughs> she saw you oh she did that's right she liked my stuff she did like your stuff i guess she doesn't want to hear her son talk about it but well, i she, was allowed to i think i was I'm allowed. pretty dirty you're dirty well she told me she's like kate's good she's dirty yeah <laughs> She's dirty, John. Like, yeah, I was there <laughs> a little love, bit. Because Mrs. Swope came. Mm -hmm. Jody. Yes, Jody. Hi, Jody, if you're listening. And I mean, I she's the most, she's so supportive of me. She's so cute. But it's so fun to watch, like, our friends' moms watch me throw clits on an audience. And they're just like, oh, that Kate. That Kate, you know? And I'm like, this is great. I get to throw clits at our parents. It's amazing. That's a weird thing because I'm in Philly. I'm where we grew up. And I have had all kinds of like parents and people from distant past and prior coworkers. It's like, all right, I guess I guess they're going to see all of it now. I think as a comedian, though, you have to get pretty comfortable with that. Like people are going to see all sides of me. And when you become a comedian, it's almost like a way of becoming fearless. If you really want to expose your true self. And it's a process of getting comfortable, which I had to go through, especially as a teacher. It was like a slow, like, oh, I don't, mm, I don't know how much about sex I can talk about or, you, you know, you have to kind of work through it um, and you get there. But I, it's cool sure. to watch you kind of playing with those boundaries and those limits. Oh, and it gives you the adrenaline too. Like, yeah. oh shit, I'm really going to go there right now. This is going to be crazy. Yeah, I think I even had a moment during that show where I had to stop and like, wow, thanks, guys. Thanks for, <laughs> thanks for letting me get a little bit out there. Yeah. You're fantastic. Oh, thank you. The first time I got to see you in person was our homecoming show, and you blew me away. You know, because I was a part of me is like, I hope John doesn't suck because that'll be awkward. You know? <laughs> Wouldn't that be horrible? <laughs> when you just want your friend to do well, and you're like, oh, no. There's also a fun thing when you watch a comedian bomb as a yeah, comic. I didn't want to watch you bomb. Well, thank you. You know, yes, I know exactly what you're saying, but that would not have been fun for me to watch you bomb. I would have been like, oh, man, right, no, cause, John. Because you had never seen me do well, so it wouldn't have been just me bombing. It would have been like, ah, oh, he sucks at this. Oh, man. <laughs> he should not He's be gonna doing this. He's going to stick with selling homes. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, well, yeah. John. No, no I, it's insurance. It's oh, do you sell? Oh, yeah, it's, good it's, that I don't know you. <laughs> you, you sell insurance? I don't talk You're too insurance? much about it. Yeah, because you don't love it, so you don't talk about it. I don't love it. I, I'm and insurance. I don't want to talk about like it's like I can't we do like I twenty minutes on do. insurance. I hate that you have to do that because I can feel I can feel your pain around it. Oh man, yeah, it makes me sad. I'm I'm not saying that in a way to like make you sadder. I just can't wait till you don't have to be in that environment anymore. Wouldn't and I, I wish something? that for everyone. I feel for people who have to go to jobs every day that they hate. 
And a lot of people almost hate me when I say that. We're like, oh, well, some of us have to. I actually can't wait till we create a world where we can all follow our highest excitement and see what that is. Because it's not the same for each person. Some people really love science and technology and engineering. Some people love the arts and expressing. You know, I th- some people love teaching. And I think, you know, once people have the strength to get out of whatever mental prisons that they're in, thinking, oh, well, I'm stuck. I can't get out of this job or this marriage. I can't wait to see people embracing their freedom more and more. Um, I hate to see people feeling like they're in pain and stuck. It's the worst. Yeah, and it's sad when you feel like you're just a drone. You know, like like you want to always try to get better at something. But when I look at my job, I'm like, wow, if things really go well, I could be in my boss's position and then I'd be really fucking miserable. Then that would be, then the nightmare would really start. Well, that's not going to happen for you. I mean, I used to be when I was a teacher and I'm not saying teaching is bad. For me, it was the wrong fit and I was miserable every day. And I'm just so thankful that I found a way out because I think like your boss, whatever his name is, when you don't find your way out of whatever that thing is that you're not happy with, it really starts to take the color out of your life. Yeah. Yeah. You almost like start to like get hunched over and bitter. I don't know if the way that we felt kind of, I I don't know if that's the way everybody is. I think we kind of are a little bit more restless than most people. Like I always need to have something going on. I need to feel like I've got a a side hustle or something deep down. I like, if you look at kids once again, um, cause we're all just giant kids walking the earth. We pretend to have it all together, but that's just not true. And I think we all have restless energy. I think for some reason, some people were better at assimilating to this like structure better than others where some of us maybe are just more ADD. <laughs> like we were like, Oh hell no, you're not going to put that net on me. Right. But I think none of us want the net. I think some of us are meant like their dream job might be something that's more structured than what it would be for maybe me and you. But I think everyone wants freedom, no matter how quote unquote restless they seem. I I thought it was interesting what you said about the people that look like they have it all together. I feel like you can't be all that funny. If you look like you have it all together, there has to be something where you, you look like you're sorting something out and you're conflicted. I feel like there's there's a lot of humor that comes from that. Am I making sense? Kinda. Let me see if I let me see if I get it. I, I feel like there are some people who are just better at masking their pain, quote unquote better. I feel like I can smell it out at this point, but I think there are some people who for whatever reason that their mask is on tight. You know, in terms of funny. I think you have to be somewhat conscious and aware of your own shit to be sure. funny. I think if you are walking around like with these fake smiles, you're going to have a harder time finding the funny because you don't even know you look like a psychopath. <laughs> and we had a couple of those at the high school reunion where they came up. I won't mention names, but they came up and they're like, hi, Kate. And I was like, whoa, intense eyes. You know what I mean? Like I was like, you're coming at me strong with like a fake weird Like, I'm doing good. And I'm like, yeah, don't look it. You look like you're eating people on the side. Um, But I think that those people have just really pushed down their feelings for whatever reason. They thought they had to. They thought it's what was asked of them kind of by society, their family. Who knows? Yeah. No, uh, 100%. I see it on the train every single day. 
It's like, I don't, this guy hasn't moved a muscle in his face ever. Anytime I've seen him, what's going on? Yeah. I love, I love, uh, being back in contact with you. You're such a lovely man. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. No, the feeling's mutual. I love everything that you're into. I feel like you stretch out my brain. I listen to your podcast. I'm like, what is she even saying? Sorry. I need to. Well, no, I, I feel like, and I, I'm not, I would never dismiss, uh, you know, thoughts pertaining to the spiritual world. Yeah. I feel like I can barely make sense of what's in front of me. So I'm like, whoa, she's on another level. Well, thank you. Um, I think, I, th- I mean, thank you. That's an amazing compliment. I think there's still beauty in just being in your present moment because I don't know if I still can make sense of all of this anyway, right? It's just amazing to be alive and to be able to like touch things. I have hands. I am a conscious being experiencing. So I think just even being present at all is a gift. Um, I don't even know, like I was not always like this. And it's not like I said to myself one day, like I'm going to wake up. You know, whether it's karma, a divine plan, I'm sure it's that, you know, I had several events that jarred me, jolted me awake into seeing that there was more to my reality than I had before realized. Um, And I'm just thankful for it. It hasn't been easy to be jolted awake. Um, There's been a lot of crying, a lot of anger, a lot of uh, friendships lost, but I'm grateful to become more and more present. And I'm also trying to be more and more aware of my spiritual bullying. <laughs> so I'm trying to not push people. I, I want to push people or inspire them to look at things, but not in a way where I'm like not in relationship to them. You know what I mean? Where I'm like, you're in pain. And the person's like, I just was trying to eat a cookie. You know, <laughs> you're a lot right now, Kate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, even I, I mean, I'm already I came in hot. I came into the, the studio like ready to go. I was talking to my friend Alex Pavone and he just has a way of like, he was hyping me up, kind of teasing me. And I was like, I will, you know, like I was like, I'm a wolf and I'm here to emotionally terrorize everyone, but just like as a joke. And then it was hard for me to like settle back down, but I am, I can, I have a lot of, I have a lot of fire running through me at all times. Yeah. At all times. Yeah. Good for you. I wake up just like ready to go. Oh, I, I run hot and cold. Do you? Oh, well, oh. no, I still can get like, trust me, I, I can get cranky, but it's still always a lot of whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> You're not just meshing into the background. No, even if I'm like silent, like it's like I'm sucking the energy out of the room. You know, like if I'm, if it's a cranky silence, you know? Right. No, that's awesome. That's your performer. You, you have a presence. Thank you. I am trying to also learn how to settle the energy and you know what I mean? Like not necessarily need all the attention. I think that's also another wound. (laughs) I exist. I exist. I exist. So did you outside of cheerleading after high school, what were you doing from a performance standpoint in that time before you started stand up? I know that you did some improv. No, I never improv. You never did improv. Mm -hmm. I don't know that. Never for me. Um, Teaching, which is a form of, I think, it's not a performance, but you do have kids' attention and you need to engage them because you want to teach them. And I loved being an art teacher. As much as I didn't love it, the subject matter of art is so, like, I'm I'm finally painting again. And um, 
I am so passionate about art and creating and artists because artists throughout time, they were the ones, they were like deep philosophers that were kind of changing. They were the visionaries that were seeing what was going on. For example, look, see, I get really excited about it. So when the industrial revolution was happening, where like suddenly mass production was happening and they were putting up these smoke towers, artists could really see almost the negative side of this. Like, oh, wow, we're getting taken away from nature and it's organic. Um, yeah, the beautiful organicness that people used to be so in touch with. And there was a whole art movement started by, called um, Art Nouveau. So that's what I love about, you know, I was getting to teach things like that. It's a way to look at history through an artist's eyes. And then you get to show them the visuals and how they were trying to um, counter, what would be the word? Like counter something the other thing that was happening. Just counteract. Counteract, yeah. Counteract, sure. like, okay, here's all this stuff. These these stacks are being built and these huge uh, buildings. But look at this. We are really honoring and loving nature. And like, like, that's when those lamps came out that almost looked like flowers or trees. And desks would have like these beautiful... Um, flowers built in and like the desk would almost look like it's becoming a branch. You know, it was, it's one of my favorite artistic movements. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's just natural. There's always a yin and the yang yes. and you need balance. And I think we're seeing that right now politically. And it's, Oh my God. Uh, it's a mess out there, but you said it beautifully. It's right now. It's so polarized, the yin and the yang. Right. And, and people, including myself, were falling into the, I'm right, you're wrong. You know, we're forgetting to see the whole. That doesn't mean you don't fight for what's right. I still am terrified of Trump. I honestly think he is a Sith Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm finding some comfort in remembering that the world balances out. I mean, I'm seeing my friends becoming more active yes. and not just by posting things on Facebook. They're reaching out to their senators, marching. People are trying to raise money for causes that are important to them. And it kind of reminded me, like, I, I think that, that a lot of us are concerned that we're spiraling to some idiocracy where nobody's going to think and facts don't matter anymore. But I'm kind of going the opposite end yeah. And I'm thinking a lot of these people that just voted for the first time or they should have voted or people that are even 15 to 17 right now, they're thinking more critically about some important issues. It's like, I don't think we're all going to be lost here. I think that, that people are going to be smarter. That's such a beautiful way of putting it. And I agree. I think this was a jolt awake and we're getting several more than several jolts. I think Trump will be around for as long as the earth needs him to be. And what I mean by needs is like when he leaves, we need to be in a state where it won't ever go back to the way it was. We were very asleep. We are seeing this ingrained racism, misogyny, dominance, you know, love for power. He's kind of representing this energy that has been alive in all of us and within the world He's representing it and it's time that we wake up to it. We look at it and we not allow that to reign anymore, that we start caring about everyone. Our privilege is getting stripped away in a sense because it's so easy when you're in a place of privilege, whatever privilege means for you to not care about others. Well, I have a house. I have shelter. I don't need to care about homeless people or I don't need to care even about animals or I don't need to care about another race because it's not affecting me, Right. I think we're getting to a point where we're going to have to realize that it could be you. It is you. 
I think we are all when you know you are me, I am you. I know that sounds crazy, but you are just me. You're you are the same diamond, but a different facet of the diamond. And I think we need to get to a place where we realize we're connected. We are one, and we need to rise together and heal this together. It doesn't matter if you have more money than the other. That should not be an excuse to not care. It doesn't mean you have to give all of yourself to a point where you're depleted to help others, but it's about waking up to the fact that just care, have compassion, realize that could have easily been you. And that's why you need to fight for other people out of love. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And then on the other side, maybe, uh, maybe the more liberal people kind of do a better job of reaching out to those disenfranchised people that didn't necessarily vote based on racism and misogyny. They just said, Hey, he's talking to us. He sees what we're dealing with. And I think it speaks to your point before about kind of showing empathy everywhere. Bridging that gap. And I'm struggling with that um, because I get so fired up so quick that I'm, I'm working on hearing people out who voted for Trump. Um, It's hard for me when they don't see the potential dictator that, I mean, I do think he's a dictator, but I mean the potential, like what he could create I get very like, how do you not see, you know, um, are you engaging in a lot of political conversations? Cause I'm feeling kind of exhausted. I post a lot on Facebook and then I'll have people on there that comment and I'm getting better at creating a dialogue. That's not as inflamed. Um, I'm working on it. I'm not there yet. I, I, I still get so like, Oh, He's a Nazi. You know what I mean? Like it's hard for me because it is so triggering and he, I, he is so scary and I get upset that people can't see it, but I have to have more patience of like, if I want them to see what I'm seeing, I have to engage in a dialogue where I don't act better than them for seeing what they don't. And they need to wake me up to things that I might not see, you know? Yeah. But have you thought about this? And, and the thing is, is, my hate for Trump doesn't mean that I think every other politician has been killing it at all. I think the whole system is corrupt. I think the whole thing is outdated and needs to be redone. He just is like the worst of the worst. Yeah, it's it's sad. It's sad, the politics in general, how tribal it is. Yeah. How people really, they just decide this is my team and whatever they're doing, this I am with them a hundred percent, and it's crazy. Like it's I like see the Super Bowl, yeah, yeah, and it doesn't make sense a lot of the time. <laughs> I saw my uh, my wife for the first time. Uh, she voted Democrat this year, and I think that she's probably conservative in that she thinks corporate tax rates should be lower, and maybe we should have smaller government in some places. Certainly, a lot of the issues that Trump wasn't really emphasizing. She, I mean, there's a reason she went yeah. the other way. So her parents, who were like Fox News loving, super far right, they were yelling at her, how can you even consider her? Doesn't character mean anything? And she said, yeah, it means quite a lot. Uh, what about all these contractors he just wouldn't pay? Yeah. And her dad said, if that was really true, how come he's never been sued? And she said, well, he's been sued like 3,500 times or something. And he rolled his eyes like, Megan, when you're in business, you get sued. And I was like, okay, well, there it is. There's no. Yeah. There was you know, no. You can rationalize anything. Dialogue there. 
we're learning how to be open to receiving new information. I'm not saying at all that I'm killing it. I'm looking at my own life in the ways that I don't want to receive, not just in politics, but my son is the biggest mirror for me in the ways that I can be selfish in the ways that I make it all about me. Or if I talk too much, you know, I think this is a good opportunity for us to see the ways that we don't receive the ways that we're not open to changing and shifting. Um, it's hard. It's hard for people to change. And there's a huge shift going on. Um, this one woman who I adore, her name is Vera de Shal. I'm going to, sorry, Vera, I'm going to butcher your last name. Vera de Shalembert. It's, it's a accent and I butchered that stuff, but she just did a huge talk at sister giant in DC. And she was talking about how, Kali is here. Kali is a deity that represents insane transformation. And she chops the head off the ego because she wants us to act and lead from the heart. That's like that energy. And as much as we want to change and lead from our heart, it's very scary to have abrupt change like that. And I think that's what's going on. And no matter how quote unquote spiritual you are, it's still scary to go in and look at these places like, oh, wow, I'm an asshole. You know what I mean? Like I can be aggressive. I can be selfish. Um, and to be able to look at them without shaming yourself and then being like, well, I guess I'm a loser piece of shit. Like, no, you're human, <laughs> you know, and we all have these places. Um, and that's okay. But right. how do you want to move forward? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that, that maybe there's a lot of catharsis to what we do. You know, if you yes. have a crowd and everybody's laughing, I mean, I don't think, I, I think part of the attraction to that is like, I'm going to get together with a group of people. I have no idea what they're about, but we're probably going to be laughing about the same thing yes. or the same things. And it's going to be awesome. And I think people, there's a natural like magnetism to that. Yeah. It's wonderful to get to do that. I actually had a, uh, so I did a, <laughs> I headlined a show about a week ago it was this annual fundraiser at the Boys and Girls Club in Clifton, New Jersey. And I got the annual fundraiser shut down. They don't want to do it anymore. Maybe they'll change their mind, but I offended them so deeply. <laughs> and I didn't mean rough. to, but I also was like, I'm going to go in and be myself. And I talked a lot about, you know, I have a, that joke about period blood. And um, I, of course, there was a big congressman there. Did not know who he was, but of course he's the tightest one there. Like he has the crispest shirt. And so of course I picked on him most of the time in a funny way. He was dying laughing, but there was like a whole board there, board of whatever the town. I don't fucking know. And they were like, not about it, which right. is crazy. Cause the guy before me spent like 20 minutes talking about balls and shitting. And I'm not like, he was funny, but then for them to be offended about me because I'm talking about alien spirituality period blood. And I also probably told the congressman he needs a finger in his ass, but you know, so you I hit the high know. notes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got the job done. You got you it know? done. Yeah. yeah. If you boil it down, there were probably four or five people offended tops. If that. Yes. And then it's a bunch of other people that are tiptoeing around saying like, well, yeah, yeah, no, totally. That was more than five. I could, I saw more than five. Oh yeah. It was a lot. You it brought was a it lot. That night. Yeah. I brought, <laughs> I was coming in hot. I've been coming in hot a lot lately. But because I made a choice, I went up on stage and I said, I can do the jokes that I know will go over better in the sense of like the ones that work. I can do my teaching material and be safer. And I was like, no, I want to try out my new shit. I want to stir some things up. I'm, I didn't get into comedy to be censored. I'm sorry. Like 
So I don't want to be booked for your clean show. I, I don't. And, and, and that's crazy, right? Because you can get you a lot of money. Have you made that decision? Pretty Have much. Have you walked away from clean shows? Um, Good for you. I tell people I'd rather not. I don't say no. I will do it. It hurts my soul. It hurts my heart. I hate it because I, I can do it. And, I, and it's, it's a good exercise because I can still somehow find a way to be extreme in my own way without cursing. But I wasn't really even cursing that night. I talked about periods, which offends me that it's so offensive if we want to be honest. Periods? You, te- you learn about it in health class. Kids learn about periods. I know I'm getting fired up again, but it really and truly is infuriating that we are so offended by it. And that's why I'm drawn to talking about it sure. because it's this like insane thing that we're like, don't talk about that. Don't talk about it. I'm like, baby, you were swimming. That was your pool for nine months. You were swimming in it. It was protecting you. It gave you life, you know? So it's like, that's what I think is so ridiculous and offensive. And I, and I don't want to do shows where they're like, just don't rile them up too much. Don't make them challenge their beliefs. I'm like, nah, like I want to challenge people's beliefs. That's why I chose comedy to do that. That's what's so beautiful about it. I think comedians are the modern day philosophers, right? You got Louis CK, you got Chris Rock, Dave Chappelle, Amy Schumer. Like you have these people that are challenging norms and I don't want to do a lot of shows where I have to be tame. I'm a fucking wolf. I'm a wild animal. Damn right. And what's the point of getting on stage, commanding everybody's attention Having all eyes on you if you're just going to be not really even saying anything. A clown. Right. Like, then you're just a clown. And and that's not to diss on clowns, although they're terrifying. <laughs> um, so maybe a little bit. But like, yeah, I didn't I didn't come just to be like, now I can make you laugh. Like, I might as well just fucking fart into a microphone. Right. Probably, which is also really funny yeah that is pretty funny <laughs> actually <laughs> new joke everybody right, if you can holster one yeah that's that's a whole other talent yeah for real but i i can't imagine i don't understand the people that would be offended to the point where they're complaining it's like just wait till the next bit that might speak to you a little bit more i don't people are so uptight and they're so scared because who knows what they're scared of? It's the board, right? It, people that are like the board or attached to public school systems, they think it's supposed to look a certain way. So that maybe they're scared of who's going to complain or like who knows what their fear is rooted in. But I definitely, you know, put a finger in it. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. I didn't even mean to. I liked I it. I liked it though too. Put a <laughs> finger. I'm going to put a finger in you. There you go. <laughs> Have you, are you the comic that you started off wanting to be? I mean, are you going in the direction? How much have you kind of pivoted from your, from, from where you were headed from the beginning? Yes and no. I I don't think I could have pictured then what I'd be now because I wasn't even spiritual when I first started comedy. So Mm. I had no idea that that was going to be infused, but, um, I knew I wanted to, I loved George Carlin. Love, love, right? So I knew I wanted to swim in that realm of like, I want to talk about some real shit. I also want to talk about ridiculous shit. I still love a good fart joke. I still love sex jokes, love sex jokes. Right. Um, But I knew I wanted to stir things up. I just didn't know how. So I'd say, yeah, I'm becoming the comic I want to be. I'm enjoying the process. Um, I'm also remembering it's an art form. You know, a lot of us comedians, we think that there's a specific way you need to do it because we watch everyone else doing it. It's great to 
have good writing. It's great to have people you're looking at and you want to model things after. But I think I call on my artists, right? Like Salvador Dali, Frida Kahlo. I call on my favorites and I'm like, wow, they really thought outside the box and they didn't do it the way that they thought they had to. Those were the best ones. Like uh, Vasily Kandinsky, he was the first German expressionist. And before then, everyone had been doing really like realism paintings. You look at a still life, you paint exactly what you see. And he came out there, boom. Like, and he was, it was, it was non, uh, how would I explain? It's non-objective, meaning nothing from real life, just line, shape, color, complete expression. He was also a musician. So he would title them like composition nine. And it was like, people were like, what is this shit? My kid could do it. Like they hated him. And for me, I call on him and I'm like, that's how I want to approach not just comedy, but all of art is like, you're here to create something new, something that is you, something that challenges and awakens. So I try to remember that and infuse it into comedy of like, I'm allowed to do what I want on there as long as I'm getting laughs, right? Otherwise it becomes performance art. But I'm like, I want to continue to bust out of that shell and figure out how to be the Salvador Dali of me. And everyone has this. I hate to keep saying it. Like we all have our unique vibration, our soul song. And it's about like finding out what's yours. What's your unique thing? What can you bring into this world? Yeah. And I bet that your comedy is definitely unique, but your healing events, I mean, it's the only healing event I've ever been to, to be honest, but the, the humor that you inject into it, it's awesome. And it's exactly what you're referring to before. You're bringing in, you know, all these Thank elements you. of everything that you have, you're bringing all those tools. So it's sweet. Thank you. The healing events are I, my heart. I still love comedy and I, now I'm starting the dance party. So they're going to be my heart too. But um, because I, I do love making people laugh, but I also like people crying. <laughs> I think it's so healthy and healing. And I really loved how at that event in Philly, we would go one moment, we were all laughing. And the next moment we were all crying. And for me, that's so special because it opens up the box to something more, right? Where it's like, we can do all of this. And I hope that continues to grow and transform and evolve. Um, just like we're all meant to. I yeah. know I'm such a corny art teacher still. I still talk like that. You know, I'm like, we're all cool. We're all meant to evolve, but I mean it. It's not bullshit. It's like, I think we can all find our thing and hold it loosely. So it has room to grow. It's intense. And this is why I'm glad that we reconnected. I know. Me too. I love you. You really it be, wouldn't it be such a sin if you were like living in a cubicle. For like oh 50 God, hours I would be. I I mean, I I was going in that way. Like when I got engaged to my ex fiance, Joe. He was a beautiful man. But when I got engaged to him, you know, we owned a house. I was a teacher. I thought we were getting married. Have those two kids. And I started having these insane panic attacks and I didn't know why. I was like, this is an amazing man. Why would this happen? And of course, it's because I had a whole other life ahead of me that I, you know, had to grow into. But God, if I had gone in that way and somehow buried this, I would not be a happy person. And it has nothing to do with Joe. It doesn't. It had to do with me burying the color that was really linked to the suppressed emotions that we had talked about from childhood you know, and not yetting let myself process or look at them. Right. I don't think you ever could have permanently buried it. I don't think that's necessarily in my nature to be able to, but you never, yeah. I, I, I started getting those panic attacks because <laughs> I wanted to. I, I was like, what? I felt he was this man, my ex fiance, he was 
beautiful and talented and kind and funny and smart. And like, I knew that. So when that started to happen, I was like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Like I, I was beating myself up. I'm like, do you have intimacy issues? Which I did, but you know, I was just like, are you self-sabotaging? I had no idea. And now looking back, I'm like, oh no, I was about to embark on a whole other journey. Right. Um, I think the system yeah. tells us to, you know, to make the responsible decision and think long-term. And I, I, I don't think that that's a bad thing, but then you kind of realize, I mean, life kind of taught me like, whoa, you don't know what you have in store. Yeah. You know, I've, I've, yeah. I had some experiences and I, I lost some people and it's like, whoa, you don't know. Yeah. You know, like my, my, my brother died. It's like, Jesus, you know? And it's like, well, there's other things I want to do, you know? And I, I think, I, I think, don't even think I knew that your brother died, John. Oh, you didn't know that? No. Uh, I don't know if you knew him. I don't think I did. If I did, I must've met him. Maybe my brother like real quickly. He was 10 years older than me. Okay. Yeah. So, so that's probably why is yeah. that when we got close in high school, he was like, I had no idea. Yeah, well, we were really shit. close. We spoke every day. We were best buds. What happened? Uh, heroin. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. So he wasn't even really the same guy for the last like year or two, but we were still talking all the time, hanging out a good bit. I always wanted to like, always had that hope. And um, yeah, it was probably like a week and a half after I got engaged. Wow. And yeah, and it was like when the financial crisis struck and- and I started to really hate the job that I was in at that yeah. time. And, and then my fiance was studying for a CPA exam. So she was just, you know, totally crushed and really not in the mood uh, <laughs> to deal with shit. Wow. A lot of times I was like, oh boy. And I think that that's when I started, you know, you, you look into other things. Obviously that was a while ago and I didn't How start comedy then. How many years ago then. was that? That would have been... Geez, close to eight years ago. Wow. I'm so sorry. Yeah. No, it's, it's no, okay. I mean, it sucks, but. It's awful. It lost like that. I mean, obviously I don't have the words for it, but of course something like that's going to change you, you know, whether sure. it's for the better or for the worse for you, you decided to grow with it. Um, but I can't imagine losing someone so close to me. I've lost my grandmother when I was 11 and that was tough, but that was still so different, you know? And it's like my biggest fear and it's inevitable, right? Like you're born and you're going to die. Yeah. <laughs> Not to bring the vibe up everyone, <laughs> but um, it's just this crazy thing that we're faced with death, you know, and it's just change, radical change. Cause I do believe that even after we die, we continue to live on and you will see those souls again. So I have that belief, which for me does help, um, kind of, because if I still lost someone close, I'd be like, great, I'll see him in another life. But like right now I miss the fuck out of them. You know what I mean? Right, like it, yeah. it would still be just devastating. Um, but it's just, yeah, it's just crazy to deal with like, wow, I could lose a loved one, especially as you know, when you become a parent, the thought of losing a yeah. child. Oh my God. Having kids has turned me into such a pussy when it comes to certain things. Yeah. You know, just like sad parts of movies. It's like, Oh, it gets you right in the feels. Yeah. Shane's what really woke me up the most of anything. You know, it's like you have this beautiful life that you care so much about and you love so deeply. And I remember thinking like, man, I really need to fucking 
get my shit together for this individual. You know, like I, I don't want to put my stuff onto him. And I, of course I did, you know, cause it's been a process. I'm a lot better of a mother than I was. I mean, I became a mother unexpectedly very young and I was still very filled with rage that I didn't know about. Um, but it's, it's been hard looking back at some moments and remembering how hard I was on him when it was really about me. And it's hard to look at that and forgive myself, you know, and be like, it's okay. You know, <laughs> you don't have, you know, it's just, it's just really hard because you love them more than anything and you want to protect them from everything in this world. But it sounds as if he's doing great. No, I mean, he's, he is. He's amazing. And, and I've done, I'm doing the work like, you know, so when I see myself getting bitchy or cranky, I stop myself and I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm cranky. Didn't mean to take it out on you. I love you. Like I try to really find the balance of, okay, I'm his mom, but I also don't want to hold that power over his head. You know, like I really try to be very conscious and very aware of treating him right and doing right by him. Right. That's and I'm sure you, you do, do the same with your girls. Absolutely. And, and sometimes I get freaked out. It's like, man, I was an asshole last night. I just didn't want to deal with their faces. And I just had yeah. work to do. And then you just remember, it's like, yeah, when I was a little kid, sometimes you'd just be like, wow, mom's being a bitch tonight. And that's okay. <laughs> it's not like <laughs> catastrophic. It's like, you know, they need to learn that everybody yeah. has their moments, but you have to be self-aware enough not to make it a pattern. Yeah. I just don't, I, I've thought about that. I'm like, I bet our parents though, didn't like at least people I think like me and you can go, Oh wow. I am being a dick or a bitch. Whereas like my mom never was like, I'm so sorry. I'm being a bitch. Like she never, it was like, that was never addressed. Like the, you know what I mean? You've obviously spoken to your mom about some of the emotional baggage yeah. that she gave you. Yeah. Was she totally blindsided by it? No, this has been, no. Okay. No, we've been dealing with this for years. Like I moved out when I was 16 and went to my dad's full time. So this has been like, we've both known for a long time that shit was really fucked up. Um, but we keep going deeper into it and there've been a lot of months of not talking built in and you know what I mean? It, it's been a journey, mm -hmm. but at this point I can't really have a close relationship to anyone if there's, you know, deep emotional blocks or wounds. How are you with your dad? We're working on it, John. <laughs> I really just that is there. right now. Yeah, that is. I you really did interview me for this one. I, did I? failed you. No. And didn't, yeah. Um. I won't be hard on myself, but yeah, the dad stuff right now. We are. We're actually going to therapy together. So I don't like talking too much about it yet. It's still kind of. He's a lot more private in many ways than my mom is. So I try to really respect that but we are, it's a beautiful thing, actually. You know, it's, it's rare that you get an opportunity as an adult to go to therapy with a parent and talk about the things that hurt you or that are still blocking the channels of communication. And I'm lucky that he is willing to go because it's not easy for either of us, but I love my dad so deeply and I didn't want to lose him. So we're currently working on it. It's going to make me cry. Yeah. It's, we're working on it and I'm grateful. That's huge that he's willing to yeah. deal with you. Yeah. 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 But it's hard. It's definitely hard. And I'm finally being smart enough to not take shows after my appointments because I kept trying to push myself and I was like, okay, I would take it. And, and I was so raw and it, so much emotion was going through. And then I would try to get on stage and just power through. And the last time I went to the club 
I almost had a panic attack for real. It was just really painful. And this time, the next time coming up, I think I'm just going to afterwards go home, let myself cry and just put on some Netflix and take care of myself. It's a good plan. Yeah, it's it's smart. It's taken a long time for me to learn when to uh, take downtime and, and really respect. Because right when you don't see like because an emotional process, you don't see it. You're it's like hard for you to think you deserve time for it. And I'm like, no, just because you can't see the ch- the shifts, you can feel them, honor honor it, and give yourself the space. Yeah, and I think your default setting is just go, go, go. Yeah. So you need to remind yourself, like, I should set aside yeah. some relaxed time. Well, it's to distract, right? So if I'm feeling all sorts of uncomfortable emotions, I'm like, oh, I want to be around my friends. I want to be around people who are laughing as a way to avoid this pain. And I'm learning that, no. Like, it, you want to face it. It's going to help. Stop, go, go, going and face, face, facing. Yeah, it's going to come out eventually. (laughs) Yeah, we actually have to wrap it up, John. It went by so quickly. This was so much fun. Thank you. Of course, I'm so happy. So first of all, where can they find you? Oh, you can find me on Facebook. I'm not on Twitter because I'm old as hell. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> I had uh, a joint. I feel like, you know, I you're going to have to Face- as well. I'm going to have to. Facebook is just enough of a distraction, so I didn't want to even bother. But yeah, you can find me on Facebook. My podcast is the John Koppel Podcast. Yes. Such I a creative name. I have to do name. it soon again because we did it and it accidentally <laughs> got deleted. We, I will. We'll, we'll make sure it happens That again. was hard. And that was such a good podcast, right? I was I know. feeling it. it was, um, I was bummed. But we'll do it again. We'll do it again it'll be amazing we'll make more magic yeah yes for sure at your beautiful house that you and megan own yes it was awesome um at my breakfast table not in the studio so what oh and um look out we will be putting together another show in philly so you can see both of us and just i'll i'll be updating that on twitter and facebook when we pick that date also i have a patreon account and i just want to shout out two people who contributed jay chamberlain and ronnie thompson And Ronnie also gave me a beautiful Venmo gift to take Shane to the movies. So that was really fucking nice. I know I have the best. A lot of these listeners, they're so kind to me. They take care of me, even if it's just through love and emotional support. So thank you, everyone, even just for listening. If you do want to contribute to my Patreon, it's Patreon slash the Kate Wolf. Um, I record here at Pinch Studios. It's fucking amazing. The audio is impeccable. Um, You can go to pinchrecording.com. If you want to record music here, a podcast, anything, Um, Scott can take care of you. Um, Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Kate Wolf. Also, my, I think this is coming out before then, my Philly Going Deep event is February 26th. You can find it on Eventbrite. Um, My next New York City one is March 15th, 8 to 10 in New York City. So please come to that. And if you'd like a tarot card reading, it's kwolf27 at gmail.com. Thank you guys so much for listening.